in a world where people actually watch the stuff their friends recommend. This is I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. seen a commie drink a glass of water? Well, yeah, I, I can't say I have, Jack. <laughs> Vodka. That's what they drink, isn't it? Never water? Well, I, I believe that's what they drink, Jack, yes. On no account will a commie ever drink water, and not without good reason. Oh, uh, yes. I, um... I can't quite see what you're getting at, Jack. Water. That's what I'm getting at, water. Mandrake, water is the source of all life. Seven-tenths of this Earth's surface is water. Why do you realize that... 70% of you is water? Oh, God. And as human beings, you and I need fresh, pure water to replenish our precious bodily fluids. Yes. Are you beginning to understand? Yes. Mandrake. <laughs> Mandrake, have you never wondered why I drink only distilled water or rainwater and only pure grain alcohol? Well, it, it, it did occur to me, Jack, yes. Have you ever heard of a thing called fluoridation? Fluoridation of water? Uh, yes, I, I have heard of that, Jack, yes. Yes. Well, do you know what it is? No. no I, I don't know what it is now. Do you realize that fluoridation is the most monstrously conceived and dangerous communist plot we have ever had to face? Well, I'm really swinging for the fences uh, trying to get this episode demonetized. Um, yeah, so he's probably the original Q conspiracist, right? Um, but you know, I'm convinced. I bet they put fluoride on our vaccines, too. So eerily relevant to these unprecedented times. Maybe I was wrong when I said nobody could have seen this coming. We'll delve into this and more on today's very special episode. Greetings, lookers! Welcome to this edition of I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. The podcast that's one part movie discussion, one part game show, where we never know what we're watching next. I'll be your host, Ben Mitchell, and you can find me on Twitter and most social media with the handle at RedHenMedia1. Look for that red hen icon. And there will be four episodes in Series 7. And our series theme is Oscar Losers That Should Have Won. Today we'll be discussing Dr. Strangelove 1964, which is a black comedy war feature film that's currently streaming on dot, 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 nowhere for free. Uh, Oopsie daisy and uh uh-oh spaghettios. Great, I have to do this tap dance again. Um, seriously, though, we need this movie back streaming on every platform. It is too relevant not to be renewed in the public consciousness. It, it could save us all. 
We'll need to start with the uh, closest target of opportunity. Now, now, now. Authorization. Oopsie daisy spaghettios. Engage. Streaming initiative R. Yahoo! Jesus Christ. <laughs> and oh, I'm here with my distinguished co-hosts who are likely taking photos of the big board with their microfilm cameras, so we'd better join their conversation already in progress. Hey, gang. Hey. Hello, Ben. <laughs> with us today, the provocative one, Mr. Devin Schwartz. I'm Devin Schwartz and the game und on. Und deed. Oh, <laughs> Good job keeping that gloved hand under control. I know how evil that can be. <laughs> and my good friend, the incendiary James Pepe. Hey, it's me, James. And uh, the women, they, they sense my power, but I deny them my essence. <laughs> That's right. Oh, man. Why isn't that oh, on a t shirt? It needs to be uh, on a t shirt. I saw it first. My bodily fluids. And the irrepressible gentleman with 33% more bodily fluids, Jim Scott. Hey, Jim. <laughs> hey, and greetings, general listeners and friends. Happy to be here. Very happy to have you all. Very excited to discuss this one. Um, but first, why don't we start by checking today's headlines? Extra, 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 read all about it. So, and incidentally, uh, I did actually see a headline today, um, like a real headline. It is the 75th anniversary of the Doomsday Clock. So, here at Red Hen Media and the show, we just want to say happy birthday, Doomy. That's a real Jeez. thing. I'm not kidding. <laughs> 75 years. Clock. Yeah. Yeah. So a little bit relevant. Um, okay. So let's start with Devin. Did you find anything interesting in the news today? Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I stumbled across one uh, headline. Darth Vader, with help of anonymous cowboy, attempts to destroy second planet to considerably less effect. <laughs> He's always Darth oh, Vader. No matter I what. They did, I think they did destroy it, though. <laughs> well, I mean, compared to Alderaan, you know, this space dust now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah Earth, right. you're looking good, like, you know, compared to Alderaan. Compared to Alderaan, real good. looking pretty good at the end of this yeah. movie. Yeah, exactly. They couldn't compared let the Empire Alderaan. get that uh, Death Star gap. <laughs> oh, no, can't, yeah, can't see it, but I'm actually wearing. I got a Star Wars shirt. I, I can just lean back. Oh, and nice. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know. I'm always. I always want to show off the shirt, and then it just doesn't. It ends up getting cropped off. Yeah. Um. Okay. So thank you for that one. And what did you find in the news today, Pepe? Oh man, this was this was a fool's errand because trying to come up with something that's funnier than this movie was just. <laughs> I know, well, right? I'm sorry. This was this was a headline that I found. Sorry, I'm, I'm parting the kimono here. Um, yeah, <laughs> right, so yeah, this is the, the this is the headline I found. Um, when asked where he got the idea to have Peter Sellers play multiple roles in his movie, uh, Kubrick responded saying, "Have you seen Eddie Murphy in all those fat suits? Hilarious!" Of course, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Argument made. No yeah, arguing with right. that, Kubrick. Yeah can't call him out i i swear i'm gonna say his name right tonight too i mean that's the i mean why else would he, he's that's the genius coming out you can see because he's 
because he really mm-hmm. liked the Nutty Professor remake. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. This movie needs a remake. Or oh, like, you know what it would no, be good is like an HBO series or something like that. I, 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 you just see, okay, stay with me here. You just digitally recreate Peter Sellers and, and, and horribly, horribly done. Yeah. Okay. I'm losing you. People are dropping oh. off the show, right? As yeah, we speak. Right. Okay. Okay. Come hey, back. Gary, Gary, okay, Gary back. Fisher in there too. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. Jim, what did you find in today's headlines? Yeah. So I found this snappy headline. What would really happen? What would really happen? If dropping bombs was like playing a game of risk, an expose. Yeah. Jeez. And it's also yeah, what would really happen. It. Apparently. Yeah. It's not even not even a joke. And then it also it's hilarious. Uh, I don't know how this movie it's such an anomaly. But uh, uh, why don't we give this movie the due context? Um, whose turn is it to do the rundown? I think it's Pepe. Am I correct, sir? I think, believe it's mm-hmm. me. Yeah. Okay, let me do give you some run rundown this one down. stuff. Run this down. We just need that rundown by as soon as possible. Okay, just get it right. Yeah, gotcha. Of course, I'm gonna dive in to the rundown. I'll be exhausted because it's like a triathlon. Did you want to close this? Our boss Charles Miner just demanded a rundown, and. Jim from the office just handed the dossier to our very own James Pepe. So why don't you take it away, James? All right. Yeah, so this movie uh, called Dr. Strangelove or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb came out in 1964, rated PG, but I think this is probably before the PG-13 rating because that sounds like a more appropriate rating for this movie. But um, the sort of... um, premise of the movie if you don't know is a a sort of renegade um general orders a uh a number of a whole wing of bombers to drop their bombs on uh russia in in order to sort of force the president to basically commit and annihilate russia in in order to stop them from making a retaliatory attack um and <laughs> if that doesn't sound funny to you this movie is a comedy <laughs> um but right? yeah, direct, yeah directed by stanley kubrick of course um one and, and, and when this movie came out the 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 skies were dark for all the stars were in the movie um such names as peter sellers george c scott uh as devin mentioned um darth vader is in this movie too mm-hmm. um with uh, James Earl Jones, um, the great named Slim Pickens is in this movie too, um, and just a whole, a whole, a whole. That can't be his real actors. name, though, right? This is back when you just chose yeah. a name, and just any old crazy name would actually be better the crazier you went. Yeah, his name is like yeah. John George or something, and he had to change yeah. it for Hollywood since way too. Common. There was already a John George Smith working in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. right. Um, and, uh, as our theme dictates, this lost, it was, it was nominated for a number of Oscars, uh, didn't win any of them. Ouch. Yeah. So let's see, it was nominated for five Oscars, best picture, best actor, best director, and best writing. 
Oh, wow. Didn't win any of those. Um, it lost its best picture bid to My Fair Lady. Mm. Um, so a very different movie than this. Um, Peter Sellers lost. Uh, Probably played best... better to the Academy crowd at the time. I, I imagine in the maybe, 80s, there'd be a lot of there'd be a lot of holdovers from like the 40s that were in the Academy, right? 30s even. No, am I am I mistaken? Once you win, you're in until you die, right? Like you get to vote. Oh yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah. Although this would have been like pretty close to like the Vietnam. I don't know. I always think of Hollywood as being so liberal that uh, I can't imagine this movie ever losing. But yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I, I, I hear why. you. Yeah. They had just come out of the blacklisting era too. The 60s were happening. So they're like, you know, trying to speak truth to power and all that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Peter Sellers didn't win. Kubrick didn't win. Kubrick, I think, famously never won a Best Director Award. Um, which seems insane to me. Yeah. Yeah. And they just uh, posthumously grant him that, please. Oh, I'm sure they must have given him by now uh, like a Lifetime Achievement Award or something. I sure hope so. Um, uh, But but also Kubrick wrote this too, um, based on a novel, um, but he he didn't win for Best Writing either. Um. As far as the sort of like critical reception of this movie, this is considered one of the best around. Um, it's got an 8.4 on IMDb, which is an incredibly high score. As, as far oh, as yeah. IMDb goes. Oh, yeah. That's, on, that's an A+. Plus. Um, yeah. On Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter ranks it at a 98, and the audience mm. score ranks it at a 94. Um, solid, both solid. real high scores. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, uh, this movie has been out for a while and because it like, uh, enjoys such sort of fame and infamy, there's a lot of stories, uh, around surrounding this movie, but one of my favorite ones that I found was about the ending, um, Kubrick, it's sort of, I don't know, I guess it's sort of become a, a sort of famous story now that Kubrick wanted to end the movie, um, with them all having a pie fight in the war room. Um, <laughs> But he said that the actors couldn't keep from laughing when they were having the pie fight. So none of the takes he did were usable because he couldn't have them. Because it was supposed to be like a serious pie fight, you know. Um, yeah, everything was supposed so to be use just very serious in this film. Otherwise, it wouldn't have been funny, yeah. which is, I guess, ironic. Yeah, yeah. So he's, yeah, he's, he's quoted saying, since they were laughing, it was unusable. Um, and uh, he also said later that not or the, that the pie fight scene, um, that it was such an utter failure. He said it was a disaster of Homeric proportions. <laughs> he was probably really uh, PO'd that it didn't work. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Being such a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, another interesting thing I found was that this movie was set to, to be released that the day that Kennedy was assassinated. Um, oh, and, wow. it, and it had, it had some, yeah, it had some, a few ripple effects on the movie, but I don't know if you guys noticed that there's the scene where they're in the, the bomber and Slim Pickens is listing off the things in their like go bag, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, and he says, um, a fella could have a pretty fun weekend in Vegas with all of that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, the original line was Dallas. Um, oh. So that was that was changed. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Because of the, because of Kennedy, uh, obviously. Did they bump? Um, what didn't Kennedy? Wasn't he? When was he assassinated? Was it was it in sixty two? So this is the first screening of the film was scheduled for November twenty second, the day of the assassination. Oh, November twenty second, nineteen sixty three. Nineteen sixty three. Day of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Okay, so they didn't bump it back yeah. too far, but it bumped over to sixty four, I guess. Or I guess yeah. they might have screened it late in '63. Looks like they delayed it till January of the next year. Yeah, interesting. Wow, that's yeah. that's something else. Wow. Any other fun facts? Yeah, there was one other fun quote. Um, so as I alluded to, Peter Sellers plays three roles in this movie. He plays Doctor Strangelove. He plays President um, Merkin Muff Diver, or whatever his stupid name is, and uh, and. Uh, <laughs> And major, or uh, yeah, major Mandrake, or uh, yeah. Colonel Mandrake, uh, Captain Mandrake. Like the airplane flew under the radar of the Russians, a lot of those funny jokes were good in that sense that they would just like use a weird name, or they like they put some text on the screen or something. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I was wondering in my notes I had, did he play three characters, or did he you know sneak in another one that we didn't see? So three was that's, that's yeah, uh, I think it's three. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So uh, I guess where's um, Sellers? Yeah. So Peter Sellers, this says Peter Sellers was paid, excuse me, $1 million, 55% of the movie's budget. Definitely and, carried uh, guess, it. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. And Kubrick uh, quipped about this. He said, I got three for the price of six. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think that's about it. I mean, there's there's so much stuff about this movie. We could fill up the whole thing just talking about, the, just reading the little factoids and shit about this movie. But. Yeah, 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 totally. Instead of that, why don't we find out who done it? It's a grand mystery. Yeah, yeah. it's evading me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've reached the portion of the show where we do something. Page it. Page to the script. We've reached. I don't <laughs> want to do it wrong because I did it last two times. Uh, we've reached the segment where we guess and reveal who is responsible for this week's submission. Uh, the winner with the most correct guesses at the end of the series will win the very prestigious Who Dundee Award. Okay, so let's, uh, I guess I'm going to take a guess. Um, I would guess uh, James Pepe, who seems very excited and eager to talk about this. Um, and I also can't, um, I also can't choose myself. So Pepe. And I can't choose Devin. We, he's already out of the running as my oh, man, yeah. red herring. So otherwise I would have gone Devin. Such a shame. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Makes all the sense in the world. Makes no sense yet. Yet it makes all the sense. Yeah. So Devin, it wasn't you who done it. Um, this is. I mean, this is the most Pepe film that we have watched so far. This is the pure, <laughs> pure, pure Pepe. distilled Pepe. Yeah. I will. I will eat my headphones if Pepe did not submit this. Yeah. Movie. Yeah. Hundred and eighty proof. 
All right, Pepe, uh, everyone, everyone's going with you so far, uh, but you can't guess for yourself, I'm sorry to say. So who done it? You know, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say this is Jim's movie for no good goddamn reason. <laughs> well played, sir. Yeah, that's like the equivalent of a quarterback uh, spiking a football. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, Jim Scott, <laughs> was it you or do you think somebody else done it? Um, so just like you all have been alluding to, this really is like playing, uh, you know, the game of Clue. And right at the beginning, before searching any rooms, you're like Colonel Mustard Candlestick in the library and being right. Pepe, you've often talked about how you love Kubrick. Put him on a pedestal of gold um, and glitz. Uh, it's definitely you. Okay, I'm just going to play this. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm pretty confident. Wow. But Pepe, <laughs> did you done it? Let's just get this out cleared up before I do my uh, next Oh, man. Guys, my bodily fluids. Yeah, it was me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is in regards oh, to your geez. bodily fluids. No. Oh no! <laughs> you know she's just she's just mad that she senses my power and I deny her. That's my right. She senses oh your power. God. All right, yeah. sir. So did this just burn into your mind the moment that this category was selected, or did you have to search or what? Explain yourself. No, I mean I. I fucking love this movie so much. And um, I knew that um, I think most of Kubrick's movies uh, didn't win Best Picture. Um, I think that's right. I think most of them didn't. I think 2001 was, may have been the only one that did, actually. Uh, and that's only if I'm remembering correctly. And when I looked this up, I was so happy to see that it was, at the time, streaming on HBO Max. And, yeah. um, yeah, I couldn't type it into that fucking spreadsheet fast enough, um, for us to watch this movie. Cause I just love this movie. Um, and to be honest, I don't think it needs any explanation as to why it's just so, it's just so good. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that. Um, who's seen it? Um, have we all seen this movie? I'm getting uh, Devin yeah, shake. As usual. Yeah. That's, I, a, I had that's not about what I expected. Yeah. I expect, yeah. That's about is what that I a slight or, no, or no, is I just mean, not, that's no what subtext I intended? No, no. Oh, okay. I, no yeah, just no, what, you and, guessed, yeah. what you guessed. That's yeah. what I had guessed. Yeah. Now, I, you know, I, I was almost, I was pretty sure you'd seen it, Ben, but yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I had, but not for a really long time. So it was really refreshing and with new eyes and uh, got a lot out of it and can't wait to talk about it. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. So I think good choice uh, would be a positive indication from me. Um, Jim, have you seen, had you seen Dr. Strangelove? Have you seen it recently? No, no never. Okay. Never. Interesting. I, I Interesting. do. First impressions, yeah, guys? I, had you guys uh, heard of it at least? Did you know the name uh, good of question. this movie? I, I think I have heard the word Strangelove before, but I did not know it was a Kubrick film, didn't know anything about it. Just okay. like v literally those two words together, you know, are worrying yeah, my memory right. banks, but that's all. Um, but uh, I mean, I, 
yet again, uh, as is our sort of um, pattern, I, I did not enjoy this this Pepe film. <laughs> that, that that is my gut reaction. I'm gonna add a yeah audience. I don't, even know, what to, I don't know what to say. Okay. Yeah. All right. So um, trombone and, noise. Well, wait, wait, wait. Jim <laughs> said yeah as well. So are you are you with uh, Devin on this, Jim? Yeah, unfortunately, I have to double down this, and I feel kind of bad because there have been a few of Pepe's movies that I really enjoyed. Um, I think weren't you the one that submitted Enemy? Yeah, Enemy. Yeah, yeah I that was disturbing. I really loved that movie. But I, 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 I feel bad because I feel like I'm slamming the movies that you choose, and that is not an intention. <clears throat> there is an intention to be authentic, you know, as far as I feel. Um, no, that's okay. I mean, I don't, I don't take offense to it. To be honest, when I, so like I said, I had guessed that you two guys hadn't seen this. Mm-hmm. And then I thought to myself, what would it, what would the experience of watching this for the first time, not knowing anything about it and not knowing that it's supposed to be a comedy. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that might be a hard watch because you don't know, you know, and it's, it's such a weird, it's such an interesting, it's such a comedy that's out of the ordinary, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the deadpanness of it was, was interesting. I had read the synopsis just so I knew what I was getting into. I knew it was a classic, you know, I don't know if I knew that Kubrick had directed it. I may have heard you mention it, I you know, but uh, to my mind, I, I I don't know if I knew that. Um, in finding it that funny, um, you know, it is definitely an uh, you know along the era, you know, for the time period, you know, there was Cold War and it was definitely going in high swing. Um, and it, Big time, it's an yeah. us for, and it's an us versus them. And, you know, some of the, like, you know, the, the hydration, you know, Russians don't drink water, they drink <laughs> yeah. vodka. And, and I, I remember hearing that in elementary school, you know, people would say that actually, you know, but all these far fetched. Cause when we about, were in elementary school, the cold war yeah. was still active. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you, you know, the, all of these bizarre things that are believed about the other you, you know i can see where that has a com- comedic element to it um them having fights in the war room we don't have fights in the war room i can oh, see where that is a comedic <laughs> element that's but, one right. of the greatest lines of all, of all time yeah. this is, there's line. no fighting in the war room yeah I, oh, and, and the irony of that right the you oh, know yeah. it's yeah. just in your it's yeah. in your face but I didn't find it funny. Were you uh, disappointed, fact, Jim? Unfortunately, were you disappointed no, that ahead. it wasn't funnier, like that you weren't laughing at it, or was it sub the subject matter or a combination therein? I, I wasn't bothered by the subject matter. I, I, okay. I so I really enjoyed War Games, which is similar in the Matthew Broderick in the end. Yes, with Matthew Broderick, and it's very similar in the intent of. Um, how easy it could be to start a world war, you know, different premise, definitely not a comedy, but you are, you know, not premise, but different way of going about it. But I, I enjoyed that movie, you you know? Um, So I don't think it was a subject matter. I think the comedy 
where we and I'm not saying that it doesn't have parallels to today. I mean, you, you know, what's going on with Ukraine and and Russia is kind of scary, you, you, you know, so it does. It's not that it doesn't have relevance. I just feel like the comedic element, like I'm not I'm not there. You know, for me, um, uh, I, the comedy also didn't work for me, and I, I, I don't. I'll kind of explain why I feel like it didn't work. Maybe it'll ring true for Jim as well. But to me, it's like, like I can enjoy deadpan humor definitely, and like, uh, it, I think that there are times when it's done well. There's sort of a scale. There's like, there's the sweet spot of deadpan. There's like some headroom where you can go beyond it and still be funny, and then you can just like past that point and it's it's so deadpan that it just cannot be funny for me for me at least personally this is all personal obviously but uh yeah for me this movie was so deadpan that for the first like 45 minutes like half of the movie i did not i did not get that it was a comedy it was like i hit i forgot where it was there was a particular point where there was like a very obvious joke and i was like okay i think this is supposed to be a comedy now i get it And then once I started kind of reading it as a comedy, I found most of the jokes sort of just like cringy. Like I just was like, oh God, (laughs) when they would crack a joke. Let me, let me play you one of those jokes. Let me play you one of those jokes and then Pepe, go ahead and uh, we'll, we'll respond. (laughs) Team A here. They wouldn't accept the call. They got 55 cents. Well, you don't think I'd go into combat with loose change in my pocket, do you? Operator. Look, um, is it possible to make this an ordinary, ordinary trunk call? Well, what do you call it? You know, um, oh, uh, station to station. Oh, blast. I'm still 20 cents short. Uh, Operator, hold on one. I shall keep you a second. Colonel, that Coca-Cola machine, I want you to shoot the lock off it. There may be some change in there. That's private property. Colonel, can you possibly imagine what is going to happen to you, your frame, outlook, way of life and everything, when they learn that you have obstructed a telephone call to the President of the United States? Can you imagine? Shoot it off! Shoot with a gun! That's what the bullets are for, you twit! Okay. I'm going to get your money for you. But if you don't get the President of the United States on that phone, you know what's going to happen to you? What? You're going to have to answer to the Coca-Cola company. And answer he did, as we found out in Act 3. I'm glad you played that uh, uh, clip, Ben, because that actually is, I, I'm remembering now as you play it, that is the only time in the movie that I laughed, is, is when he, he says, you'll have to answer the Coca-Cola company. That part got me to laugh. And I think that that particular <laughs> scene, like him playing that deadpan of the general playing off of Paddington or whatever the fuck his name is, like that worked incredibly well. Like those two's dynamic. And honestly, that actor, now I, didn't, I also did not realize he played those three characters. I did not know if that was the same guy. He does a very He's good amazing. job for the most part. Yeah, he is very enjoyable to watch. And I enjoy Are you familiar with Peter Sellers' work at all? Not at all. No, no idea. He's incredible. Yeah, he's a, one of the, maybe the greatest of his generation. Yeah, I definitely, that is the high point of the movie is that his performance was very good, even when I did not detect it as a comedy. Yeah. Um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, you're not, it's not unlike the first viewing I had of this movie back in the day when I first encountered it on VHS tape. Um, I was 
that just dates it as I was pretty young at the time. Um, not saying that that's why you didn't get it or whatever. I just had a similar thing where I didn't know what I was getting into and wasn't sure what to take away from it. And then in subsequent viewings, I found the humor. And um, of course, you know, you go to film school, you're going to like go gaga over all the little filmy, filmic detail that Kubrick does, you know? Um, yeah. So that's kind of where yeah. I'm coming from with this one. I didn't laugh all that much either, but I just was riveted by the topic and how relevant it was mm -hmm. to how, how still very relevant it is. And even like scarily, eerily so, as I kind of said in the intro. And George C. Scott. I, George C. Scott is incredible in this movie. <laughs> the I love fucking George faces Scott. he makes constantly throughout this movie he's just constantly mugging he's the 11. camera yeah but I don't and think, i'm loving it i don't think george c scott has has a like setting below 11 he's just either <laughs> that's true I mean, that's his yeah it's just he's uh has one that's just the just knob is, just is stuck on 11 that's yeah and he just turned it to 11 and then knocked it off the other numbers um, have been uh, filed down is that the guy who's sort of foiling the president is that who you're talking about that's general turgidson yeah, yeah, yeah I, yeah. I hated that guy. I, oh, God. He's I thought so the funny. Both the character and the performance were so annoying. I wanted to like fast forward through his scenes. I hated him. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, maybe take your, oh, ear, your ears off because I got a clip of him to play. <laughs> All right. <laughs> He'll see the big board. He'll see the big. He's I just know. collecting He'll his notebooks. It. He's going to see it all. Note, <laughs> note that funny. I joked about that in the intro. Oh, man. And the idea was for Plan R to be a sort of uh, retaliatory safeguard. A safeguard? I admit the human element seems to have failed us here. But the idea was to discourage the Ruskies from any hope that they could knock out Washington and yourself, sir, as part of a general sneak attack and escape retaliation because of lack of proper command and control. Well, I assume then that the planes will return automatically once they reach their fail-safe points. Well, no, sir, I'm afraid not. You see, the planes were holding at their fail-safe points um, when the GO code was issued. Now, once they fly beyond fail-safe, they, uh, they do not require a second order to proceed. They will continue until they reach their target. Then why haven't you radioed the planes countermanding the GO code? Well, I'm afraid we're unable to communicate with any of the aircraft. Was this movie supposed to be, like, getting the message out about what could go wrong do you know any context like therein, pepe or anyone else well it was based on a it was based on a book um it sounds like was oh i didn't know that it sounds because it sounds like the the theory behind like how this could go wrong may have actually been someone who knew enough about strategy and whatnot that they, they knew this could happen or something yeah, so it was based on a book called Red Alert, um, which was not a comedy, um, which mm -hmm. sort of took this in a sort of serious way, in a sort of like Tom Clancy-ish kind of way, I think. Like, what if this really happened? So this script evolved um, as an adaption into a... It feels like that. It feels rooted in drama. Yeah. Um, and then it actually pre... There was a movie that came out, I think, a little bit afterwards, only a few months afterwards, I think it was called Kill Switch. I, I, I might be misremembering that, but it is basically the same movie, just not a comedy, just a mm. like just a drama. 
but this one came um, out first. This one came out first, I believe. The other Weird. one came out afterwards. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's just how I remember. Maybe it was the other way around. Um, but well, I haven't um, seen Kill Switch or heard of it, but I guess it's just probably. Have you, or was it just in reference to this film? I haven't seen Kill Switch. I only know about it because of uh, Strange Love. Um, I can look it up here in a minute, but um, yeah, I mean, I think that um, I think that this movie is incredible insofar as that it is one like a hilarious comedy, but also um, it is uh, a pretty good thriller too, because you don't want um, fucking. Um, Sorry about that. Yeah. Okay. Loud bang. Yeah, it's. Uh, oh, all right. Yeah. It's it's like a pretty good suspense thriller too, because you are rooting against Slim Pickens the whole time. The guy, the the, oh, the plane totally. crew who are like mm -hmm. going to drop the bomb, and you know what the stakes are, right? If they succeed, the world ends. You know, and uh, yet they persevere heroically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or he, <laughs> yeah. The uh, the president, I think, refers to it one at one point as initiative it's initiative <laughs> um, george c scott was like rooting for him like a 10 year old who loves gi joe's oh god you know and then that he kind of came to the realization oh, too mm -hmm. that oh they could succeed and then he kind of yeah, calculated right. that, scene, that you know i love that that scene yeah the scene where the president asks him like if they have any chance to make and he's like yeah goddamn right they have a chance yeah. today. they're gonna fly in there he's so All excited, excited and yeah. then he's just like oh no <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, man, they do I have think a that's so funny, and that's terrible. He's such a he's such a blowhard. Oh man, he's such an idiot. He yeah, he, totally. He, he was the one that played Patton, right? The original Absolutely. Patton. Yes, he played yeah, Patton. Uh, yes. Yeah, which which is a different role than this one, but very much red blooded pro military American. Yeah, you know right. that whole like that's a whole archetype. It's like a very um, similar I, role, but he played it straight in one and he played it for laughs yeah. in the other, which is... And to the other. Y y yeah. Um, and I feel like I don't feel the tension just because of the comedy. Even though the comedy didn't work, you know, the comedy kind of drew away from, eh, you know, I don't think they're going to work. You know, they're not. They're going to do it. They're kind of bumbling. Just You just have the feel that Slim Pickens and his crew are kind of bumbling. Um, and I can see where, you know, there was a thriller element because there was a point where, you know, they were trying to, you know, they're like, can we communicate with them? Well, no, they changed the, you know, so they wouldn't get, you, you know, um, wrong orders or false orders, you, you know, with a Russian plant or something like that. But then neither could uh, the war room you know, sent a message to him either. So I can see where it would have elements of thriller, but I didn't feel like, I didn't feel that tension either. Man, I feel that tension daily, just living right now. Well, well yeah. <laughs> yeah, in today's world, well, yeah, you know, it's um, it's very uncertain times that we live in, for sure, and for a lot of different reasons. But uh, talking on the movie, I just didn't feel, you know, I guess I what know. I'm saying is viewing it from where we are now, I feel uh, like it hit really hard and appropriately considering mm -hmm. it's just, I just, I don't know if you guys felt it was as relevant as I felt it was. 
I felt it was like on point, like the whole conspiracy theory, just like, you know, it, it threatening the world. I thought that was very on point to what, what we're dealing with today. Mm. And okay, it just really that. drew me in like that, that mm -hmm. aspect of it. Um, then I got some laughs in there too, but. Similarly to Jim, I think that the, the comedy kind of kept me from feeling any of that. I, I do think I was almost more interested in this film before I noticed that it was a comedy. Cause I thought it was sort of the, the sort of message I detected from it that I thought was kind of the direction was sort of obviously an anti-war one that was mm -hmm. sort of like, very anti-war in that it was essentially saying that like it doesn't matter if you have humans or computers controlling your doomsday it's both both are equally bad that the men in the war room are just computers because once they give the order it it is just as bad as turning on the doomsday device because you know that's sort of the comparison because the russians have the students doomsday device that will initiate automatically and cannot be stopped and the the americans have this general who can be initiated automatically mm -hmm. and cannot be stopped Right. And, uh, you know, it's like this equal thing where, like, it doesn't matter if you have men or computers, like men are computers that, that they're just going to create war. And I thought that was a really interesting In message, structure. but that's not yeah. but that's not really what the movie's saying. That's not the point. <laughs> I, I don't think. Uh, I think it's going to be funny. I kind of thought it was. No, I thought it was supposed to be. That's exactly the point they wanted you to take away. So I'm surprised that you think that that wasn't the point. Pepe, do you think that was the point? Do you think there was something else? Uh, well, I think that, I mean, I think that this movie has a lot to say. I, I, going into it, when I picked it, I didn't expect it to be as relevant now as it, I sort of recognized it, uh, when I was watching it. But yeah, um, I think this is a, an anti-war movie by all accounts. Yeah. Um, and I think it, um, I think it it treads that that line where um, you're sort of like it's it's such a it's such a black comedy where it's like well we're either going to laugh about this or we're going to be crying about this right because I, the thing that struck it most that struck sort of most home with me is just that like the people in power are nincompoops and they don't, and they couldn't find their own asses with mm -hmm. their own, with two hands, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, but, but it's, but it's also just because they're, they're really just regular people that we've like given the power to end the world to. Yep. Um, and, and to be honest, I think that the people in the plane, the like soldiers in the movie come out looking pretty good. Um, because I think the guys in the plane, they're kind of like dopey guys, but they're incredibly efficient and proficient at what they're supposed to, at what they've been trained to do. Like if we really wanted them to bomb Russia to like blow up Russia, they would be the guys you want doing it. Right. But it's only because of this insane guy whose name is Jack D Ripper. Like that might've been your first, <laughs> your first red flag with him. Right. Um, let's give him the yeah, job like, yeah <laughs> just because there's this one guy who makes this uh bad decision that the world is going to end now um and that and and i had certain i had sort of forgotten about the conspiracy stuff also with him um but yeah he, i had seeing, too that was yeah like yeah seeing seeing him interacting with mandrake and and mandrake sort of like 
trying to talk him down and like talk some sense into him and him that was just brilliant like, stuff I, i'm just the, yeah. the subtext there of peter sellers like realizing what the hell's going on and kind of assessing it and trying to talk him down was so great and it failed spectacularly yeah, yeah it was I mean, fun the, to watch the the comedy in those scenes is so razor sharp because peter sellers is like the the like um the like stereotypical like british person to a fault right he's yeah. so polite yeah. to this man who he knows for a fact is ending the world but he won't just like punch him or like do any he has to be like very polite to him and he wants to keep his uniform all nice and everything and he's just talking to him and trying to like come on old boy he yeah come on old chap like oh little water on I, the back I of the fed neck, the you know? uh, machine gun for you and yeah, now, yeah how's about that um, code eh <laughs> but but the tension in that scene not doing is, it justice i'll just say that yeah but the tension in that scene you could cut it like a knife because you know that that oh, guy absolutely. has the code right and peter sellers is like he, he, He's playing such an interesting character because he's in he's in one sense completely inept, right? He does he's not doing what you would want him to be doing to like get the code from that guy, which would be basically any anything more than he's doing, right? But then you come to learn that he's like a real soldier, right? Because when when uh, Ripper asks him if he ever got was ever a prisoner of war and he tells him he was and that he was tortured by the Japanese um and that yeah you sort of have to reevaluate his character and you sort of rethink well who's the coward in this situation because Ripper tells him outright he's like I I couldn't do what you did and stand up under torture mm -hmm. so instead I'm going to go shoot myself right um and then, and, but that scene is punctuated by like this sort of like double, this like one, two punch, right? When you hear this man who was tortured by the Japanese and you're at this, like, you, that's a pretty low, that's like a deep hole to dig out of. Right. And then he sort of like finishes that scene by just saying, but they make such damn good cameras, you know? Yes. I love that. <laughs> and that, and I, I, on this watching of it, I realized that like in 1964, there were people alive, and I mean, there still are, but there were people alive who just, what, 15 years ago were fighting a war against Japan, and mm -hmm. now they're buying their cameras in the United States um, and buying Japanese cars and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. And some of those people were prisoners of war. Um, and yeah, the, the things, the, the stuff that goes, that's going on in this movie, um, is so rich. Uh, it's, yeah, it's incredible, I think. Let me play another clip involving George C. Scott that I'm betting is pretty close to some stuff that could happen or has happened in reality where uh, someone with incredible power is shacked up with uh, uh, some lady. Yeah, right. The and secretary. she's taking like state phone calls and, and acting as operator. Between. <laughs> yeah. Might I say that I love all the phone call scenes in this movie. Uh, I love how challenging that is for the actors and that they all just totally hit it out of the park and it felt very, very real and they delivered. 
Um, is, are you gonna are you gonna play the scene where they're in the bedroom, his bedroom? Yes, yes. Okay. The, also, the scene where she calls him and he picks up the phone and he says, "I That's told you never to call me too. here." It's yeah. so funny. In the war room. His fucking girlfriend is calling him in the yeah. war room, and he and knows she's, she's gonna bitch. probably die and tells her to say her prayers at the end of that second scene. Yeah, but her, then, which is great. but then she's like, she's like bitching at him, like, "Is this only physical?" And he has to like, no, like, I massage yeah. this relationship in yeah, the middle yeah. of this like. He's bebopping and scatting with the best of them. He's oh, tap dancing like crazy. George Stark really brought it. Yeah, no, he did. He's, he, oh, God, if it so was funny. a game of like ping pong, man, he would have just been like you know, like the Forrest Gump uh, sequence. You know, just nailing it every <laughs> every time a shot came out, and he's just knocking it back. But uh, yeah, I, I like to was, think. I like to think uh, Bruce Lee with the nunchucks, with the double nunchucks, oh, that man, type yeah. of ping pong. <laughs> it was on that level, absolutely. Yeah. Good reference. Yeah, so here, here, here's the phone call uh, telling this general what's going on, um, and he's just shacked up. Buck, should I get it? Yeah, you have to. Hello? Oh, yes, General Turgidson is here, but I'm afraid he can't come to the phone at the moment. Well, this is his secretary, Miss Scott. Freddie, how are you? Fine, and you? Oh, we were just catching up on some of the general's paperwork. Well, look, Freddie, he's very tied up at the moment. I'm afraid he can't come to the phone. Well, just a minute. General Turgidson, a Colonel Puntridge calling. Tell him to call back. Freddie, the general says, could you call back in a minute or two? Oh, he says it can't wait. Ah, find out what he wants. Freddie, the thing is, the general is in the powder room right now. Could you tell me what it's about? Just a second. Apparently, they monitored a transmission about eight minutes ago from Burfelson Air Force Base. Right. It was directed to the 843rd bomb wing on airborne alert. It decoded as wing attack, plan R. Well, I'm telling to call, uh, what's his name? Uh, base commander, Ripper. I have to think of everything on The general suggests you call General Ripper, the 843rd base commander. Oh. All communications are dead. Ball. Tell him to do it himself. Freddie, the general asks if you could possibly try again yourself. I see. He says he's tried personally several times, but everything is dead. Even the normal phone lines are shut down. Fred, Buck, what's it look like? Yeah. The you can't see it, of course, with the audio, but um. The scene is actually beautifully staged with some mirrors and stuff as well to kind of show where he comes from and stuff. Nicely done, Kubrick. Um, but uh, yeah, the idea that 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 probably happens, you know, that very oh, thing yeah, probably sure. happens. Just I found it, it, it like many of the jokes in this movie, I found simultaneously hilarious and horrifying. Yeah, 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 man. It's right. Yeah, I think that's. I think that really got Kubrick wanted to walk that line between like, if we're not laughing at this, we're crying. Um, we had a, we had a black comedy recently that um, 
I didn't like bad very Santa. much. I don't remember what. Oh, bad Santa. Yeah. Which we're getting Jim's take on later in the show. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I have to think about the similarities between these movies because I really don't like Bad Santa, but man, I love this movie. What I'm discovering about myself is that I must really like black comedy because I've loved both of these uh, to the the A level. Yeah. That speaking of the phone scenes, though, the 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 phone call the president takes with uh, Premier Kiss Off. Kiss Off, I love to, that. Yeah. <laughs> the, I, I, I'm sorry too, Dimitri. No, no, don't I was going to play that next. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, oh, let okay, me just okay. jump into I, that. I won't ruin it then. Yeah. You're dodging your vote for that. Duh. Hold a shot. Penny out of the barrage, Pensadadi. I've done as you asked. Be careful, Mr. President. I think he is drunk. Hello? <laughs> uh, hello, De- hello, Dimitri. Listen, I-, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? Oh, that's much better. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Fine, I can hear you now, Dimitri. Clear and plain and coming through fine. I'm coming through fine too, eh? Good, then... Well, then, as you say, we're both coming through fine. Good. Well, it's good that you're fine and, and I'm fine. I agree with you. It's great to be fine. <laughs> Now then, Dimitri, you know how we've always talked about the possibility of something going wrong with the bomb. The bomb, Dimitri. The hydrogen bomb. Well, now, what happened is um, one of our base commanders, he had a sort of, well, he went a little funny in the head. You know... Just a little funny. And uh, he went and did a silly thing. Well, I'll tell you what he did. He ordered his planes to attack your country. Uh, well, let me finish, Dimitri. Let me finish, Dimitri. Well, listen, how do you think I feel about it? Can you imagine how I feel about it, Dimitri? Why do you think I'm calling you? Just to say hello? Of course I like to speak to you. Of course I like to say hello. Not now, but any time, Dimitri. I'm just calling up to tell you something terrible has happened. It's a friendly call. Of course it's a friendly call. Listen, if it wasn't friendly, you probably wouldn't have even got it. A, I've talked to many drunk people over the phone, and B... Um, the idea that this is probably about how some of these phone calls actually go behind closed doors is also, it gives me chills and makes me want to laugh. It has such a, it has such a, it has the peel of truth to it. Such a ring of truth. It's, oh God. So what ruined that, that call for me, like the comedy of that was the fact that he had to repeat everything the guy is saying. So like, we know what the guy is saying, but he did it in such a way that felt like, really artificial to me like oh you say this oh oh and you say that this and oh you say that it's like it was like okay like i get it dude we yeah we can't hear this he didn't do he didn't do any of that he did it constantly the beginning of the thing yeah he absolutely does he says oh you say you can't hear me oh you say he does that a ton of times 
Don't make uh, him play it back. You can replay the uh, clip. He does it a bunch, especially at the beginning. He kind of like fades off at me like as the call goes on. But at the beginning, it's like every single thing that the Dimitri says, he repeats again for us. The I wish you okay. had said that before I played the clip. <laughs> um, All right. So I guess go That's back okay. and listen to it, I guess. Um, I don't I didn't get that sense but um i guess if that got it got in your craw it would probably be distracting um but i i kind of prefer this type of phone conversation to the type where you either split the screen or you hear their voice over the phone um because it just feels more like a person listening in on a phone call like you're just eavesdropping you're in the room you hear one half of the call and it just feels more real that way to me and you have to infer what the other person is saying by yeah. what the person you're hearing say. Yeah. Yeah. And it rests on the actor's yeah. shoulder, in this case, Peter Sellers, to sell it. Um, I mean, I feel like he did, but Devin, that clearly that bothered you and it didn't work for you. So going I'm, back. I'm, sorry, um, Jim. I, I've been talking too much. Go ahead. Uh, going back to like one of the, the, the fears, you know, of why this movie is relevant this has been a fear that's been an ongoing one is the, you know, so basically this, this general uh, enacts the first initiative to create a world war and thus the destruction. That's been the fear since a hydrogen bomb has been created that, and it comes with it. And it's ironic because it comes with a certain ego that yeah, we yeah. know best how to handle a weapon of mass destruction. Yeah, right. But should this weapon of mass destruction get in the hands of a dictator or a country very fervent in their beliefs that are ruled by a dictator, the ego of that dictator to, you know, maybe have nothing to lose. Yep. You, you know, and 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 fervently believe in their beliefs and detonate a nuclear bomb. That's been a present fear all oh, yeah. through. Yeah, no, the government's change, right? But the, yeah. the threat of the destruction of those mega weapons remain. And that's the scary thing. You know, regimes change. and You don't know who's coming in to power and who has what. Yeah. And then countries, certain countries develop that. So, yeah, I totally agree with you. And they become more readily available. I mean, more only countries have. have them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two years ago, I mean, maybe it was two years ago, when uh, ex-president Donald Trump was leaving office, it had come out now, we were learning, that uh, mm-hmm. the generals in the military were very concerned that he might order some kind of strike because they sure. felt personally that he was kind of off his rocker. and. Yeah. Um, there was conversations that came out, came to light that actually happened about that. So, I mean, that's, it's as real as it gets right there. And that's very modern. Yeah. That's very recent stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nuclear weapons, um, you know, you can't, it's the genie out of the bottle, right? You yes. can't, once it's out, once it's out, you can't put it back in. Um, and, uh, the United States sort of holds the ignominious uh, distinction as being the only nation to have ever used one, too, in aggression, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully it yeah. stays that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a, 
Um, there, there almost isn't a scarier topic that this movie can be sending mm-hmm. up, right? Um, because um, there's there's something like extra scary about uh, nuclear bombs because of the like radiation involved and because of the yeah yeah just mm-hmm. because how terrible they are and what a terrible not only how destructive they are to people but just to the environment like to the actual planet right. I mean, mm-hmm. that's sort of the whole point of this mm-hmm. is that, like, the Russians have, have de- the Russians developed this doomsday device, right? That's not just going to kill everybody. It's going to, ter- it's going to kill the whole planet. It's going to turn it into the moon, you know? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. what they and literally it, said. Yeah. 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 And it's, and it's like, well, this is an insane thing to have done. Like, who would do it? Who would do such a, who would build such a thing, you know? Yeah. And it's all, and it's all in the service of this, like, mutually assured destruction. Yeah. Which Dr. Strangelove you know. explains. Um, and obviously he's like an ex-Nazi who is still very much right. Yeah. That 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 we idea that that looming that pot. maybe we adopted some evil that we should have left well enough alone or something was yeah, kind of right. there, maybe. Yeah. And that kind of evil is you know, that type of ability to destroy it, it can only go one or two ways. It will either be somebody will use it. And we're doomed, or at the very least, we're living very differently, and there's a lot less of us. Or nobody uses it because the old, it's the ultimate stalemate because you always have that option. So no matter who is you know in office or running any of the countries you know in, in the world, they're crazy, but they're not that crazy. You know, yeah, yeah. Let's hope that's that the continues. only two ways that I can see this play out in our own, you know, our own world, divorced from the movie. Yeah, and it's still a very, very scary thing because countries are coming up with other methods of warfare because nuclear warfare is so destructive. You know, they're advancing biological warfare. They're advancing chemical warfare. You know, and the only differences are that those warfare can kill people, but they don't do as much damage to the planet. It's not like a permanent, undoable thing. It's just expendable people. Um, Yeah, to Pepe's point about this being like a a dark or a tough topic, um, uh, if you think about like, I want, that's why I wanted to know if that other movie was successful or good, if you knew, because I wondered like, you know, is this subject so tough to take that you need the kind of spoonful of sugar for the medicine to go down. Or mm. if these other movies that touch on these subjects, uh, can be successful without the comedy element. Yeah. So I, I, I was able to Google this up. The film is actually called fail safe and it came out in October of night of, uh, 64. So a few months before, um, and just, uh, Briefly, it looks like it was received really well. Um, it has a lot of great actors in it too, um, and it was directed by Sidney Lumet. Um, oh has yeah, Henry Fonda in it, uh, Walter Matthau. All the um, rest of the stars that weren't in this were in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it looks like they remade it in two thousand. Oh, for um, a televised play with George Clooney okay. and Richard Dreyfuss on. CBS. Yeah, Clooney's yeah. politically active, so I could see him doing something like that. 
Yeah, so I think this movie, I don't think it got nominated for anything, but it did It did well. I mean, and if you got Henry Fonda, Walter Matthau, and all, you know. And, and, yeah, uh, well, there you go. I guess you can tackle the subject uh, as well as uh, from different angles or whatever. Um, but this one is unique in that it does treat the subject of war with comedy. But I've, I guess I can think of other movies that maybe even from this era that... Uh, was Catch Twenty Two in the sixties? Can someone look up when Catch Twenty Two came out? Um, because yeah. that was a a black comedy about war, as well, um, and that did very well and was highly acclaimed. And then, of course, that was I'm just thinking of Mash. Oh, so before yeah, Mash. Okay, and Mash was after this. So yeah, I guess like the whole like black comedy with war, the gallows humor. I guess it was probably invented in war, right? The gallows humor type of approach. Yeah. Well, you also have, what was it? Uh, was it Tropic Thunder? That was sort of a comedy war movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. With a twist. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I guess I that's even, been a proven, a proven commodity. Well, I would even posit that black comedies are necessary to bleed off some of the tension that's in the zeitgeist. I mean, yeah, well, I, yeah. we touched on this before, but it's why we watch movies about disease, you know, while we're being yeah, locked down. right. You, yeah. you know, it's a way to to deal with it because, you know, in the back of your mind, this is talking about a real thing, but it's a fictional narrative and, and it is a type of catharsis um, that you get. And I, and I would say that these kind of uh, movies and books and uh, medium is necessary, you know, because the contention can get too real and get, it become too much. It's also like in a smaller scale in a movie, if you have a very dark moment, you will tend to see the writers follow it up with a lighter moment. Uh, mm -hmm. Hopefully something makes you chuckle to kind of yeah. break that tension and lessen it. I think this movie also might be the one exception to the rule of uh, you can't make an anti-war movie. Um, I think this mm. movie might be the only exception to that. I don't think... I don't think anyone could watch this movie and be like, oh, yeah, I want to be like that guy. You know, mm -hmm. I don't think it, I think it does such a good job of like. Being or not glorifying the things that are going on in any way, I don't think anyone could take this could could take anything from this movie and be and think about it in that way. Um, I, I mean, there's 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 so many there's so many. Um, you know, anti-war movies out there, but the the characters in them are often, you get these, like even like Apocalypse Now, right? Like you get these guys in this movie who are like pretty cool, badass kind of guys. And if you look at them and be like, I want to be like him. Captain, seems, uh, what was the captain's name of the of the helicopter? Of uh, the, I just watched the damned thing like two months ago now. Of the helicopter? The helicopter uh, command. Uh, oh, oh uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Colonel Gore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Like him. Yeah. Yeah. You can spot guys like that in Apocalypse Now and Platoon. Even in Platoon, mm -hmm. like you might, you might be like, you might be like, well, I identify with. Um, uh, uh, shit. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember his name now. The actor uh, who played uh, the Green Goblin. <laughs> what the hell was that guy? Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Willem Dafoe. You might, you might even identify with guys like him in that movie who are sort of on the more sort of like not rah-rah go America side of that movie. Um, 
But in this one, I don't know. Who would you pick? I mean, they're all such buffoons and idiots. The British guy is the only... He's yeah, the but hero. Even, even him, even he, even he is so, like, impotent. <laughs> you know? None, nobody I mean, lives up even, to what they needed to do to save the day. They all just kind of missed each that, other. Oh, that yeah? That root, that, that when you pull it up, it cries. Like, he's just a whiny baby, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, they have a terminology to describe that sort of communication where you're like underneath someone's charge and you speak in terms that aren't direct to try to coax them towards what you want them to do. Um, and I don't recall what it's called, but, um, it, it ended up being a problem for Korean airlines and they kept like losing planes because in their culture at the time mm -hmm. oh yeah they yeah. weren't allowed to speak up as a co-pilot and they wouldn't point out problems that the captain was your mistakes yep. the captain was making and planes would go down so they had to retrain them not to communicate like that british officer in this movie did and, and be more direct so kind of interesting stuff as far as yeah. um communication theory goes i wonder if they knew what that was called at the time or if that was kind of a newer I suspect it was some kind of newer thing that they that they came out with. I think it happened in the 90s here. So it was like a retraining. But I wonder, because the military is kind of like that, you know? I wonder if that kind of mistake happens where you're just like, I'm not going to tell the drill sergeant or, or whoever's my CO uh, what's up, you know? You do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's, he's an interesting character too because when he realizes at first what's going on, he's... He, he says it's my duty to to issue the abort codes. Yes. And then but he's foiled by like one locked door, right? Yeah. Right. And then he also then realizes that he doesn't have the code. And so he just goes back to Ripper and goes, asks him, like, do you have the key and the code handy? Like, yeah, he's just gonna hand it over to you. Oh boy, do you have like, the key and the code handy? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> expecting expect like, the rational oh, oh, sure, thing to yeah, happen. Like, what am I what, what was I thinking? Yeah, yeah here right, we go. exactly. Yeah, well, that kind of describes me sometimes. I'm just totally taken aback by the lack of just common sense with things sometimes, you know? So I I, I, I get it. But yeah, he might have fought harder as well if we wanted to hear. I guess there wasn't really a hero because, you know, this wasn't really a story so much as a tragedy, right? Everyone dies. Mm, yeah, mm -hmm. it sure does seem like a tragedy. Um, and the then, structure yeah. probably thus, you know? The, the ending of it, too, when um, there's also something, this movie is also something, saying something about, like, male sexuality, too. Um, I'm not sure yeah. I can identify yeah. exactly what it is, but there's just so much sort of oblique references to sexuality. In this it's movie. one of the last things they leave off on. They focus on the positive, what the, and I'm using scare quotes here, what they think is a, a net positive that they'll have to get the most attractive uh, uh, women. Yeah, right. and the, the hottest we'll chicks have to do it for the case. race, you know, for the human yeah. race. We'll have to get chest. rid of this whole one wife to one guy thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, They're just yeah. like kind of working up their whole talk about it and everything. That's where the movie left off. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Um, and the, and the, the, yeah, I mean, the scene of um, Slim Pickens riding the bomb um, is just him with a big old dick. And it's right. Uh, and it's going to kill the world, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's going to fuck the world. Yeah.
Um, let me give Slim Pickens his his due diligence. Slim Pickens is so good. Oh, and then yeah. I want to talk about the sub subtitle. Is that what it's called? When he when he fucking takes that cowboy hat out of the safe and just puts it on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so early funny. on. I have that clip too, but I'm gonna play another one that I that you also referenced earlier. I think Pepe. Survival kit contents check. In them you'll find one forty-five caliber automatic. Two boxes of ammunition, four days concentrated emergency rations, one drug issue containing antibiotics, morphine, vitamin pills, pep pills, sleeping pills, tranquilizer pills, one miniature combination Russian phrase book and Bible, $100 in rubles, $100 in gold, nine packs of chewing gum, one issue of prophylactics, three lipsticks, three pair of nylon stockings. Shoot, a fella could have a pretty good weekend in Vegas with all that stuff. Crazy. Mm. I feel like that's Jeez. probably pretty close to something that they would have on their checklist and and supply like emergency supplies for the crew. Oh man, that they'd have to go through. I mean, it's just all those pages of details and and thought thoughts that they've done and studies and all this stuff and it's still all just a fail you know yeah the way his the way he talks though is so so fucking per, it just nails so on the head like the character that he, he is supposed to be right yeah he embodies it perfectly oh he embodies it so perfectly when he oh man when he says one combination R- russian phrase book and bible mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so funny Anyway, uh, Devin, you're Yeah, the, I was just going to mention that the the bubble gum in this scene does remind me. So there are two there are two chewing scenes in this movie. Major oh. chewing scenes. Okay. Uh, so in the war room, um, the the one like general is just fucking fisting gum into his mouth. Oh man, just, like, he's just going to ham on it. He's got to be swallowing it. There's no way he could fit as many pieces in his mouth as he puts in his mouth. He's just got to be chewing it and swallowing it like a crazy. Every person. time the president <laughs> hammers him, he shoves another wad of gum into his mouth. Yep. Yeah, and he does it just so aggressively. And then there's the scene when they get the order in the plane, and the guy who's receiving the order to destroy the world is just like chewing on some fucking chicken or something. Like he's just like having a snack. Like, oh yeah, I guess we're going to go bomb a bunch of people. We're just going to go on the steps in the guidebook. One step at a time. They're so focused on every step that they just are not seeing the big picture. Right. Um, I'll play another, I'll play the other slim picking scene because I don't think it's that long. And it's just like, um, his take is like fantasizing about how they're up for going to be up for promotion. And like, this is going to be great, you know, like trying to get them all revved up to do this terrible thing. I got a fair idea of the kind of personal emotions that some of you fellas may be thinking. Heck, I reckon you wouldn't even be human beings if you didn't have some pretty strong personal feelings about nuclear combat. But I want you to remember one thing. The folks back home is counting on you, and by golly, we ain't about to let them down. I'll tell you something else. This thing turns out to be half as important as I figured it just might be. I'd say that you're all in line for some important promotions and personal citations when this thing's over with. That goes for every last one of you, regardless of your race, color, or your creed. 
let's get this thing on the hump. We got some flying to do. Man. I love every oh, scene man. on that airplane. When every he, single scene. It's so cutting when he says, regardless of your race, color, or creed, it's just like, yeah, the United States is ready to give you a commendation for murdering all of Russia, regardless of your race, color, or creed. It's just like, fuck, dude. You well, just safe. Yeah, both of those scenes, too, being punctuated by the saints go marching in, you know, mm-hmm. really give credence to what type of character he is. It reminds me of a, a comedian uh, when he says, I'm I'm a true American. I don't shop anywhere unless it ends in Mart. You, you know, it's just like that. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> just the right man for the job. There, man, now that you, that's so funny. Like, there's uh, Slim Pickens, uh, Colonel Kong, Colonel King Kong. Um, Slim Pickens and... Uh, and George C. Scott, General Turgeson are are like two totally different stereotypical Americans, right? Because George C. Scott is like the red-blooded, fucking steak-eating, cigar-chomping type mm-hmm. American guy, and then Slim Pickens is like the the like good old good old boy, right? You know, yeah. yeah. But they're they're so they're two entirely different characters, but they're both so like quintessentially American characters. It's incredible. It's, they're, it's incredible. And they're both obtuse. You, you, you know, right. like they're what Ben, ben said, they are not seeing the big picture at all. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and yet I know these guys and there's guys just like yeah. in power and yeah. could be again. Yeah. Yeah. Right. The Phantom I mean, Menace. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like I alluded to this. I said this before, but like those guys that are on that plane, you want them on that plane, right? Because when they have to do the things that they should be doing, no, they are the right be... guys for that job. They're just a cog in the yeah. machine, though. Unfortunately, um, right? Or... Yeah, they're just they the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, and you're just like, yeah, yeah. You're at least for me. I was like every t- when when they were talking about trying to get the bomb the bomb doors open, and there was just like. Every step they were being, they were being uh, foiled in some way, right? The first yeah, no, they had to earn bad. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The second backup was bad, and you're just like, oh, it wasn't please, easy for them to destroy the world. Please don't, yeah, like please don't have this work, you know. And then Slim Pickens just goes down there and just like hits it with his hat and fucking figures out a way to open up the doors, you know, <laughs> like the Fonz with a jukebox. Yeah. yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. He's just like okay, uh, that's uh, just that, that's chaos theory. That good old <laughs> good like he's just like, oh man, I, I worked on my fucking like tractor back at home wiring it up. I'm just gonna hit this with my hat and screw like a couple fond. wires together. Yeah, oh man. It's oh god, it's so good. It's so good. It's like HP Lovecraft's Fonzarelli. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. The is it the subtitle, the sub subtitle or whatever? Uh how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. What do you call that, Pepe? When is it a subtitle? I don't know. I, I, I don't know, know there's a word for it and I forget. Alternate title? I don't know. Alternate title or maybe um epigram? Yeah, something. Uh but anyway, that part of the title, right? Um 
how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb. That doesn't really play out because the whole world gets destroyed. So it's not really about lessening the worry. Is this title written from like maybe Strangelove's perspective? Did he write it? Is that why he doesn't worry because he doesn't care? Um, well, or also, somebody else? Or what, what, is the, what does that mean to stop worrying? I also how, who stopped worrying and why did they stop worrying? I want to know. We need answers. Uh -huh. I also thought naming the, I mean, the the initial title, Dr. Strange, of naming it after him when, like, from my perspective, that character's not that important. Like, is it only has a couple lines. Comes like, in in, like, act, of end of Act 2, beginning of Act 3, I think. Yeah. It's pretty late um, in the he, movie. I mean, he ends the movie, but it's not exactly, like, a triumphant, like, he doesn't give, like, a great monologue. It's just sort of, like, he, like, throws in one last joke and the movie ends and it's like okay i don't know I, yeah I thought, I thought it was to weird. me it was, like, it was like highlighting that well this is this is what we won in world war ii we like inherited this crazy these crazy guys that have given this the the you know keys to our own destruction or whatever you know that was our spoils of war i mean that's what <laughs> i got out of it um but yeah, it was an unusual mm. ending. I mean, all around, I it's you know, what's not a like I said, it's not a story, it's a tragedy. I think probably they did true to uh the tragedy uh structure, they probably got as closest to stopping this from happening at the midpoint of the film. That that's one of the main ones I always remember. Um, it may have been when Peter Sellers was phoning out, uh, I suspect, but something like that. Um, but yeah, it's I mean, a tragedy is going to end with everyone dying like Shakespeare, right? So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what what Strange Love's role in the title has to do with the ending, but he definitely is like just kind of caps the movie off, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I've thought a lot about why it's called How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb, and I don't have a good, good. answer. Um, yeah, me neither. I, I don't know what that means. Maybe it was like apparent to the people at the time, or mm -hmm. maybe it was always supposed to be like cryptic. Or uh, I feel like I should have figured it out by the end of the movie. And I was like, the only thing I got was maybe it was written by one of the guys who wants the destruction to happen. Then it makes sense to me in that context, you know? Yeah. I mean, if it's written from the perspective of the people in the war room, then. Yeah. That makes sense, right? Because where are they going to end up? They're going to end up in the mine shaft with all the fucking chicks, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, that was their fantasy they left off. So that's how they stopped yeah. worrying and, and grew to love the bomb, right? But it seems like yeah. they already loved the bomb just to like play devil's advocate. <laughs> right, yeah. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't no. know. I mean, loving the bomb is a strange thing to love. Um <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I, the, that, I guess that maybe that plays into it too, right? I, I, Yeah, it is odd that they named the movie Dr. Strangelove, but he, to my mind, he does loom sort of large in the, in the movie and he does get the last word um, when he is sort of miraculously healed at the end. Uh, presumably so that he would be allowed to go into the mine shafts with them. Um, or at least that's sort of how I took it. Um, but yeah, I mean, having, yeah, Ben, like you said, having this sort of like obvious Nazi in the war room that got, you know, project paperclipped or whatever it was over in after the war. Um, Which is real, just for those that don't, yeah, aren't aware. 
yeah, in case you're not aware. Yeah. Very real. That's real shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, advising wait, wait, the president. Wait, what's that? What, what were you saying? What, what's real? The, yeah, Project Paperclip. Basically, was, uh, between Russia and America, we got to Berlin almost at the same time. The Russians got there a little bit first. But by the time we both occupied Berlin after World War II, it was like we raided all the Nazi technology and scientists. And we just grabbed them up, okay, forgave gotcha. them for any wrongdoings, and used them. So part of the point, I think, of this movie was this is the legacy of of you know taking that the war plan the nazi kind of war plans or technology like this will be mm -hmm. the legacy of doing that maybe it was a mistake maybe we shouldn't have done that oh kind of i see i see what you're saying i think that's what they they were trying to say with that i don't mm -hmm. know um not a hundred percent sure but that's what i got from it like this is your legacy for doing this you shouldn't have done it um, yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but, um, no, I mean, I think I, it clearly is. And I mean, like, it's, I mean, not only is he such an obvious Nazi, but like he, like they almost personified the half of him that is a Nazi with that, like the black glove and it like constantly attacking him. Yeah. Very you know? Luke Skywalker. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only other thing I can think of as far as the title goes is that perhaps it's from General Ripper's perspective because he seems to have stopped worrying and loves the bomb because it can, to his mind, bring peace on earth and yeah. purity of essence or whatever the fuck that means, you know? Um, yeah. Pur purity of the bodily fluids. Yeah. But I mean, everything in this movie has, is a double entendre. Uh, I know. And that's why, meanings, you know, that's why I ask is it seemed like a lot of thought was put into that title. So it seemed like worthy of trying to take a crack at deciphering. Yeah. But um, there's, unless someone, maybe it's a cue for the first person to write into the show. Let's let's hope for that. There we yeah, go. Estonia, there you go. An Estonian who knows better. Oh, man. An yes. Estonian. I have many things yeah, to man. say about this Dr. Strangelove. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> So there is the other joke about uh, Doctor Strangelove's name is they there's a the scene where where uh, General Turgeson asks the guy he says like Doctor Strangelove that's no that's no Kraut name you know right and then the yeah, guy says it. the guy says some German name and uh, apparently the German the name he gives is just the German for Strangelove. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was lost on the uh the, yeah. the off the actor or the character, I mean. It was lost on yeah. me too. That's funny. That's I'm glad you pointed that out. That's pretty great. If you yeah, speak so German like, or know better, that joke would land. Yeah, right. He just made his German name into <laughs> into English. What? I just translated it. <laughs> yeah, right. Had they bothered to ask him. That's pretty good. Yeah. Um, I have one have more the, clip if you, we want to do one more clip before we... Do you have the No Fighting in the War Room clip? I That's don't. And I don't have okay. I don't have Strange Love, strangely enough. Um, but I do have one more clip um, that's kind of like speaks to the craziness of it all and the conspiracy theories that yeah. still threaten our Grand Republic. Mandrake, do you recall what Clemenceau once said about war? Uh, no, I didn't think I knew that, yeah. He said war was too important to be left to the generals. When he said that, 
50 years ago, he might have been right. But today, war is too important to be left to politicians. They have neither the time, the training, nor the inclination for strategic thought. I can no longer sit back and allow communist infiltration, communist indoctrination, communist subversion, and the international communist conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids. This sounds like, uh, you know, the, the uncle that comes over for Thanksgiving that just like ruins it. Um, yes. Which was portrayed this year, I think, in Saturday Night Live skit, which was excellent. Oh, it was about uh, drowning that out or something. Do you remember that sketch? You were nodding your head, Devin. It sounds familiar, yeah. So there was some, something about drown, drowning that crap out or something with some new earbuds or something. Um, uh, it was funny. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it just, I mean, that, that, that's still relevant. I heard that during the last election cycle. We had uh, newscasters get fired for saying stuff similar to that. So it's just, it's odd. It's, it's, it took me, it took me aback how relevant it is again, like back it's 64 and, and, and now it's, uh, what, almost what, 60 years later. And we're, yeah, well, it's, it speaks to a certain level of ego and self-righteousness, not righteousness, but self self-righteousness that someone knows better than the others around them yes um and exactly. for some reason when you when you play that scene i don't and i don't know why but i was thinking of the movie the rock and and ed harris's character you know mm -hmm. the one that did that little coup in the first place and he had all of these reasons why but it just it, it was still an extension of ego knowing you know just knowing thinking you know better and uh yeah we it. see that play out a lot in politics too you, more you and know, more with, it's about ego and whoever has the biggest ego and makes the biggest splash get can seize power yeah so. but it's not just the politicians it's also the base too oh you know, yeah you, you, oh, you absolutely know. yeah yeah yep. i think um i think that scene is uh well, I think that scene is masterful not only because it is terrifying the way that it's shot. You just you're seeing this man and he's just sort of like this head and he you see his chest and you see it's his an like, extreme upshot. Yeah, he has like this huge fruit salad of of metals and stuff yeah. on his chest and he's got this Towering big over fuck off cigar. Yeah, yeah, and he's just like looking down at you, mm -hmm. um, and you can hear his voice. He's you know he's uh, he's an imposing figure, um, and he just plays it to the hilt. And he's talking about this idea that is the scariest possible idea to America, which is that um, is that we need to control the spread of dangerous ideas, right? Which is what communism mm. was. It was an eth it was an ethos, and it was an ideology, and it was an idea, and. Um, that is what I think he's speaking to. He's saying that the people in power above him, the people who have the authority, aren't doing enough to get rid of this idea that is dangerous. 
And because they're not doing it, he has to, right? That's the most dangerous thing a person can do in a democracy is decide that they know what are the good ideas and what are the bad ideas, right? Because then you get these people, then you get people trying to shut up people who have the bad or wrong ideas. Um, and I think if that scene <clears throat> hadn't ended on a joke, it would just be horrifying. It would just be a horror show. I was horrified I mean, through the whole thing. It, it, it is a horrifying scene, but you, yeah, but it, it's, you need that relief when you get to the end, oh, yeah. right? And it, and it, it reminds helped. you, it reminds you why censorship in, in basically any form, you know, almost any form, right, is terrible. Because if, if the idea of communism is bad, then you should be able to have, you should be able to present the better idea, right? The recourse shouldn't be bomb, like kill the people that have the idea that you think is bad. Right. It should be make a better one, right? Right. Yeah. Convince me. And that's, yeah. And that's like what democracies are about, right? Yeah. Arts um, and minds that speaks to that. And yeah. And, but then you see like, and it is relevant where you, or it is in, incredibly relevant now to, to, to us today because you get these people who, um, yeah, have had their minds infiltrated by these ideas, these conspiracy ideas. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you get them acting on them, you know, you get, you get these people who oh, are yeah, your beliefs fuel ideas. your actions. I mean, there's no denying that. That's why what yeah. you believe and why is so important. Uh, yeah. Philosophically, uh, to me and hopefully to a lot of people, hopefully to enough of us. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's very that's true. The, that's the sort of, but that, but on the sort of flip side of that, that's the yep, double-edged yep. sword of free speech because yep. you have to allow the shitty ideas to be out there like the fucking fluoridated water, right? You have to allow those ideas to be out there if you also want the good ideas to be out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not convenient, definitely. You also right, don't have yeah. to platform them if you're the guy in charge of your... Uh, corporate news place or whatever. I feel like the mistake was that they knew they could get ratings, so they platformed a bunch of bad ideas and put them out there and spread them massively. So this is why I For say the a sake lot of the, of the time, money. Yeah. So this yeah. is why I say that journalism, modern journalism, bears much or maybe even the majority of the responsibility for the direction that the country went in politically because they've just every night that's all you'd hear you know is the bad ideas because they were money makers and that's why politicians yeah. are becoming more and more extreme in their messaging i think because they are if they they know that if they say the extreme thing that they'll make the news and then they'll get a bunch of money they'll get a bunch of donations right i yeah. I, I think that part is definitely to play the the economics of this situation um I remember being in sociology class and talking about like groupthink, and okay. you know these are just theory. These are just theories. You know they're not you know ground in fact. But when you have a group of people, and, and and you know in today today's language they use echo chamber a lot. Um, but when you have a group of people that think the same or very similarly, there tends to be 
a push towards even more extreme of those same ideals is it's almost like a natural course. And when we have these pockets, because you you know, with the internet, you can find anybody that thinks like you. I was gonna you say that's create the your own group it. think. Yeah, you exactly. can create your own group think. And the people in this group, they just start, you know, they start slowly gravitating towards more extreme versions of that ideology. Um, and that's kind of a scary place to be. Even if you, you know, you think you, and, and of course everybody thinks they're on the right side of what they think, you, you, you know, but yeah. even if you're like standing for a lot of things that you feel have moral equi or value equivalency in the world, you still have to be careful. Uh, unless you fall into the self-righteous, yes. like what we're talking about, this ego, you know, thinking that your way is the only way. And, and, I, and I've seen that with both my conservative and liberal friends, just to yep. spell it out there. Yep. Sure. You know, you become so convicted because you're so inundated with the media that you assume to be correct. That's that right. you yourself yeah. think you are ultimately right. You get tunnel you know? vision, right? Yeah, really and that's a scary the media place to... and the social mm -hmm. media, like the old media and the social media coming together to create kind of a perfect storm that way. People yeah, and even in... yeah, and even talking about ideals that are not necessarily ones you believe in, but you want to investigate to see what the merits are with the argument and to get different ways of thinking so that you can e either know that you are standing on solid ground in your own ideology or you're standing on maybe shaky ground and there are better ways to think according to yourself and you bring these ideals to some of your friends and they're like you sound like and they'll name you know some group that belongs to the other when that is not the case, you, you, you know, and it is building a lot of uh, ivory towers, yeah. you know, and that's a danger. That's just a, you know, I was talking to a friend earlier today and um, there's a lot of people in like philosophy and, and other fields that talk about living in a post-truth world, basically a mm -hmm. world where you can't believe, you can't believe the, institutions around you right so we can't believe the news we can't believe the government we can't believe the church that in itself is ultimately a very dangerous place to live in it is you know um, that kind of world the to know the difference between someone who is aware of their own or at least aware of their own somewhat aware of their own bias when they're speaking on whatever subject, we're just talking general here, and who has the ability to actually critically think compared to someone who mm -hmm. thinks they're thinking when they're just parroting propaganda they've heard you know, sure. in an echo chamber. It sometimes is hard to tell the difference. Um, and you know, that's where skepticism, I think, comes into play. And to be a good skeptic, you have to you know, do that work and, and dig mm -hmm. deeper. And I think, I think that's just in a, in an era where everything
everything moves so fast. It's it's hard to like want to even take the time to check sources and like that. But it's all the more important because of this so-called yes. post-truth era that we're living in. Yeah, it's harder to pin it down. But um, you know, things and you're never going to be right all the time. But you definitely, if you seek to believe as many true things as possible and as few false things as possible, if that's important to you then you definitely do have to do the work and you're not always going to be right, but you're going to be right probably more of the time. If you're aware of those things, like your own personal biases, you work through that kind of stuff. You get, uh, you educate yourself on the topic that you're delving into, uh, and, and know the stuff and you're not, you're looking beyond just, you know, the echo chamber of stuff and re rehashing what you read in a, a meme or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. So those those mm -hmm. key things you can kind of pick up on on that if you know what to look for with people. But if you don't, it all kind of ends up sounding the same. And the people that you really need to reach probably don't know the difference. So it's yeah. really ineffective. Is is the is the part that I struggle with? How do you how do you without ex, without um, putting in like an incredible amount of effort, energy, and time? How do you? break through to people uh, that you know what you're talking about and can lay out those facts and beat that. And I think we're really struggling with that. And I think that does come down to something that's really nicely described as post-truth. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, if the majority can't determine the difference, that's a problem. Yeah, it doesn't it, matter it, if a handful of people can. Yeah. 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 I think, um, I mean, I think, and this has been identified pretty plainly now is I think that like our our media outlets are and our entertainment outlets are just like exacerbating and probably really actually creating the problem right because 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 of the internet like news now has to make its money from clicks as well as like mm -hmm. basically anything you find on the internet is like like YouTube or any, any anything that's gonna that's like a clearinghouse for what some for content, right? The way it works is like it figures out what you like, and then it yeah. shows you more of that. Um. And right, yeah, that that's is the like poison. A, yeah, right, yeah, that's the like shittiness, right? That's that's what you have to get out of. You have to not do that, and that's what this. Jim, that's what you were saying is like, you have to escape the echo chamber and the internet isn't going to do that for you. In fact, it's going to work against you. Yes. Doing that. Yeah. Yes. Right. As, as it, in its current form, it is, I think we're, are yeah. we, re I think the big question is, are we realizing this as a society too late? Cause it, it, this is not stuff that you heard about back in like 2015. Um, but we're hearing about it now. We're like kind of looking back, like what WTF just happened the last few years, you know? And um, I think we're tr assessing it, but I think that n still not enough, not even close to a majority of the people waking up to the fact that that's what's happening still. And there's well, no one taking responsibility. Yeah. And so well, it's out of control. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody's taking responsibility because there's so many parts of the machine uh, to take responsibility. Uh, and there's I'm a an shared optimist. responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm an optimist, so I believe that we will um, uh, climb out of it. I don't know what shape or form that would look like. And technology is, you know, what they what they also talk about is technology keeps doubling itself faster mm -hmm. and faster and faster mm -hmm. and faster. 
So will we be able to escape it just to get into another type of wormhole? There's a lot of warning signs. Um, I mean, the the um, just one more thing that I presented last week about um, you know social media and its effect on the developing mind when they yeah. get it very very young, and also also um, talks about uh, helicopter parenting, you, you, you know, which is also a phenomenon that kind of was touted from the nineties on as a good way of parenting in, in a mm-hmm. lot of different books and manuals. And we see the destruction that it causes. Um, and we see um, rates of depression and anxiety just skyrocketing among youth and older adults. So we see the symptoms, you, you know, and there's a bunch of different voices from a bunch of different angles. You, you, you know, I was uh, watching a um, TED talk and this neuro, she was a neuroscientist or a neurosurgeon, one of the two. And she was talking about loneliness. I believe loneliness is also tied to having so much social media as well. We look at screens rather than faces. We, we navigate good, with screens rather than with each other. And there's so many examples of that. There's so there, that there's, happens in our minds in our brains when we look at someone in the eyes in person, yes. I think. A lot of things the, happen. That is very much, yeah, right. It's complex, yes. I'm sure, and it's missing from yes. those interactions, yeah. Yes. I think, um, I think actually our current sort of state right now is uh, actually pretty similar to this movie, right? Because the yeah, internet, yeah. the internet is the sort of nuclear analogate of information right it's mm-hmm. it's it is a power up on that magnitude right mm-hmm. and this movie was made in 64 right and it's taking place the movie's supposed to be taking place sort of contemporary right so they're like 15 ish years after the invention of nuclear weapons right things yeah. that never ex- that literally yes. never mm-hmm. existed before right yeah they're and they don't know how to this. do it they're just yeah. like we have the we have this thing now the genie's out yeah. of the bottle, right? We yeah. have this thing now. We have this insanely pow- potent weapon. But like, now what the fuck do we do with it, right? Like, what they do with it in this movie is they they write nuclear warhead, handle with care on it, you know? <laughs> That's what they do, yeah. you know? It's right. like, no fucking shit, dude, handle with care, you know? And so like, they don't know how to deal with it. And I think that we are in a similar sort of yes. nascent phase, right? The internet hasn't existed for that long right mm-hmm. i was alive before the internet yeah no existed i mean in, and, not and in we're the in big... a similar we're in a similar state we're like we have this fucking tool of incredible power and we've just like let it run wild and we're we don't know how we don't know what to do with it yet we, yeah. it's, it's been new. about the same amount of time too and i'm not talking of the internet yeah, yeah. like on an old uh 486 system i'm talking about the internet yeah, right. in the palm of your hand as a yeah, as we would know it yeah that's that's really what the, the shifted the era shifted then and i talked about this before in other films that we've discussed and i i having been born into an analog era and seeing that evolve into very much uh information and digital era i wonder what I, I often wonder like what it must be like for someone born directly into that, into this like smartphone era where everything's online and you're, you know, a lot, maybe the majority of your social interactions happen in social media rather than in person. 
it's got to be just extreme. We have no idea. We're in, we're totally in untested waters here. And we're mm -hmm. seeing effects of that already 15 years in. So it's interesting that that is the, about the same amount of time. Okay, so I think we probably have enough to formulate a grade for Dr. Strangelove. Um, so while we're kind of thinking about that, we do have time to take a short commercial break. And now a word from our sponsors. Friends, you've heard of nuked food. But have you heard of nuke it? No, 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 Nuke it. Based on 1960s space age technology, nuke it will nuke your food, but food is just the beginning. Boss getting on your case at work? No, 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 nuke it. Sister hogging the bathroom? No, 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 nuke it. Wife nagging you to take out the trash? No, 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 nuke it. Side effects include... Any and all yeah. known side effects associated with de deadly levels of radiation exposure. We're pretty sure it's fine, though. Nuke your life with Nuke It! Because we can't afford to let the Ruskies make nuke you liars out of us. Oh, man. Dude, we can't, we can't afford a, a microwave ga a gap. <laughs> the microwave gap? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We can't afford it. What was it that he said at the end, the very end? We can't afford the bunker gap or something like that? Because they're talking we about like the allow a mine shaft gap. That's what it was—a mine shaft gap. Yeah, mine yeah, shaft right gap. back to it, right back to it, like a broken record. Yeah. I love it. Okay, so there's your commercial break. Love those commercials. Never, never skip those commercials. No, no, not these ones. And uh, we probably know what we want to grade this one by this point. Um, I'm going to kind of sound like a broken record here. I've liked the last few movies we've watched, so I'm going to give uh, this one an A. It's a classic Kubrick movie, 98%. I'm with the 98% on this one. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll keep it simple. We, we talked uh, at length on this one. So, Devin, what do you grade Dr. Strangelove? So it's pretty clear I, I didn't enjoy this movie that much. Um, I There were a couple of standout performances, mostly from that uh, one guy that I've already forgotten the name of. Peter Sellers. Yes. Yes, exactly. And um, I think for that reason, and because it did get at least one laugh out of me, I'll give it a C minus, <laughs> which is uh, fairly high. I think if I hadn't laughed at that one scene and, and that guy hadn't been in it, it would have been a hard, cold F. But, I got to uh, say, I thought that this one actually had a chance to be our first 4.0, but I was sadly mistaken once again. Um, it's okay. <laughs> James Pepe, what do you grade Dr. Strangelove? Uh, well, this is an A. Um, this, this A is so high that it like cheapens the other A's, but fuck, man. Yeah, A. Poetic. A poetic A. Yeah, yeah. well stated. Yeah, okay. And uh, Jim Scott, what did you grade Dr. Strangelove? Um, I, I will, I'm going to grade it a B, and there's a lot of different reasons. Um, I probably would have graded this the same as uh, Devin, but you guys really sold it. And uh, I enjoyed the conversation and realized that it had more nuance than I first took it. 
And I do know that Kubrick is a director, like I've seen The Shining multiple times. Yeah, yeah. And there is a reason. I mean, he's such a perfectionist. But there is a reason of why he shoots, how he shoots, what's in the frame, what does it mean? Sometimes even the painting on the wall can mean something allegorically. So I think that a lot of this movie just escaped me on the first viewing. You know, my taste kind of runs. Very and I've said it, yeah, you to, my taste. Uh, say. Yeah, my tastes run, you know, you as I've stated before, much simpler. You you mm-hmm. know, the mm-hmm. you know, uh 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 you know, the Billy Bob, you know, uh, uh Joe Bob Briggs movies for guys yeah. who like movies. Yeah. It's not that I don't like intellectual fare. I do. But when I'm sitting at home, you know, just watching a movie or wanting to watch a movie, I don't go for the highbrow stuff. The no, things that are okay. very cerebral. Yeah. Movies and, and, should and be about escapism and fantasy fulfillment as well. And they can serve as that. And they should. Um, they're just, um, there's something also, and I think you'll agree to be said about, um, taking on more challenging fare as well sometimes sure sure for, from time to time you, you know yep. yeah um the more challenging fare usually is in the realms of um societal affair like, like i really enjoy malcolm x you know yeah yeah um when it comes to like racial harmony and uh thing, but anyways this movie i gave it a b um and i feel like there's more to mine you know, should I watch it in the future? Well, I'm glad you got a lot out of the conversation because I agree. And for that, I would also give it in our conversation an A for me because I got a lot out of it as well. So mm-hmm. thank you everyone for that. Um, so Devin, where does that leave us as far as the overall uh, GPA for Dr. Strangelove? That drops it at almost a perfect B at 3.18. Um, putting it along the side of, let's see here, uh, Wreck was a 3.0, so just a bit above that. Um, just <laughs> a touch below Training Day. Uh, so two, it's right in the gym, the gym uh, uh, sort of milieu. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, and also Nebraska, very close to Nebraska. You can't hear Pepe's, you can't hear Pepe's facial expressions, but uh, I'm, I give those an A as well. I'm just thoroughly entertained by the Also, pain. Because, because we're still tracking it, no Wilhelm in this movie. This is such a Wilhelmable no, movie. Yeah, Wilhelm. No oh, wow. There was a Wilhelm in, oh, what's the... What's the fantasy show that's currently running on Disney Plus? Is it Hawkeye? It must have been Hawkeye. That's the uh, yeah, that's the current MCU movie. Uh, yeah. Show. yeah, that just ended. What else is running on there? I think it was Hawkeye. I, I want to say Star oh, Wars because that's where you always hear them. But I think there was one in. Oh no. Uh, well, maybe there was one in Lord of the Rings because I watched that too. I don't know. I, I I saw a couple of them this week, but not in. We still haven't seen one since uh, Jim's movie. Since what was that series one? Yeah, yeah, I'm the shocked. Second movie we ever watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, this will be in like every movie. You won't not hear it. And then we haven't heard it since. Yeah, I, I just I'm keep hearing it. Wilhelm screaming. In the <laughs> no, and I don't think in '64 they're even doing that yet. I think the the Fog City Madman kicked that off in the Star Wars era, or at least the '70s. 
cool. Um, why don't we find out what we're going to watch next week and get our very own gentleman, Jim Scott, to either flip Sweet. a coin or roll a four, are there four-sided die? Uh, roll something yeah. that it could be equates to a two-sider. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. When are you? When you are ready, sir? All right. Cool. I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's find out what we're watching next week. Got a two. Lucky number two. Let's find out what we'll be watching next week for series seven episode three the penultimate episode the penultimate episode uh we'll be watching the talented mr ripley um which came out in 1999 and it is streaming all over the place including amazon hulu voodoo and youtube so join us next week for the talented mr ripley and i'm looking for any kind of hint here okay all right, you guys, you know how to play with poker me. faces now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I yeah. put two submissions in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Join us for that next week. Um, and now we do have some show business to attend to. Um, first of all, I'll hand it over to Jim, um, who we need a grade for Bad Santa that we missed. Uh, unfortunately, we missed you that night. You had to work. And um, mm -hmm. if you could tell us really quick, had you seen it before? Um, briefly, did you enjoy it or not? And then uh, give us a grade, and then we'll have Devin update that to include your grade as well. So sure. how did you so like I'll give, my, I'll give my grade first, just so Devin can, uh, can oh, tabulate. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I give it a B. Okay. Uh, so Dr. Strangelove is on the same par. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I love it. I just want it one more time. <laughs> no, uh, I, I, again, this is a, this movie follows along the, the Joe Bob Briggs. Uh, it's, it's raunchy. You, you know, uh, I, I like this kind of comedy. I love Billy Bob Thornton. Um, uh, uh, Jack, is it Jack Ritter? The one that John plays Ritter, like yeah, played John Jack, Ritter, excuse played me. Jack and Three's Company, but yeah, John yes, Ritter. Yes, yes. Uh, John Ritter, I think he's a great actor as well. Um, it's funny. I, I, I mean, Billy Bob Thornton, you know, being Santa, and the yeah. drunker he gets, the more irascible he gets, even to the little kids. Just the, and he's just unabashed. It's so funny to me. Um, so yeah, for all of those reasons. I've seen it many times. Oh, okay. Uh, I enjoyed it this time. Yeah. Okay, so where does that leave us officially with Bad Santa then? Uh, so I had to recreate the calculation a little bit, but I got it pretty okay. close. Okay. And that puts us at, so I'll, I'll put a little uh, approximate symbol next to it, but it, it'll put us in the 2.4 range, which raises it from a C to a C plus. So oh, wow. All right. Yeah. Um, Pepe didn't like it and actually said it ruined his day. And then Devin's... Oh, you, you were a little less, but still didn't like it for different reasons and stuff. Or some yeah. of them were crossed over. But feel free to check out that episode. Um, Bad Santa uh, was released earlier in the month. Sure. I think it was the last episode of last series. Um, and uh, it was nice to hear somebody else that that enjoyed it like I did. So I feel like I wasn't alone. 
<laughs> so it's kind of getting piled on. But anyway, glad to yeah. have your, your word on that. <laughs> um, let's see. Yeah, so let's talk fan emails again. You can write to me at ben at redhenmedia.com. We may, re we, bleh, we may respond on the show better in writing than in speech, apparently. Uh, let us know how we're doing. Did we do something wrong? Did you arrive at the same conclusions as James Pepe? Um, <laughs> what parts did, of the show? Be right. That's right. <laughs> and are therefore right. What parts or parts of the show do you like best? Did you learn something new? Is a stuff old hat for you? Um, and let us know where you're listening from. Estonia, Japan, um, around the corner. Japanonia. Love to hear from you. Any other questions or comments? Let us know. Okay, cool. I think that's about it, guys. Uh, yeah, that's where the show usually ends. What? Just one more thing. All right, now let's do 100 takes of that so that we can live up to Kubrick. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Um, yeah, so uh, Lieutenant Columbo is here, and he's here to tell us we have time for just one more thing, where each co-host shares a little something from outside of the show. Um, Devin, why don't you kick it off first, and I'll wrap it up. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I am um, going to talk about a show called Fringe. Came out back in 08, uh, but is now finally on a streaming service. It has not been on a streaming service since like 2011 when it was still on the air. Uh, it has been off of any streaming services. I actually pirated it. Uh, don't please don't don't arrest me, FBI. Um, but I pirated, <laughs> like like five or six years ago, I pirated the whole thing and uh, watched through it. And now I am so glad that it's on HBO Max. That is where you can watch hmm. it now. Finally. This is, I think, Fox's best show, like, period. I don't think they've made a better show than this. It's what's J.J. Abrams, the, uh, also probably J.J. Abrams' best What's the elevator thing. pitch? Because I've heard of it, but I don't really it's, remember. Yeah, I didn't watch the it. The elevator pitch I've given for it is it's like X-Files, but if, like, <laughs> all the stuff was real. Like, X-Files kind of toes that line of, like, ooh, is it actually aliens or is it just normal stuff? You know, like, they kind of go back and forth. This is, like, X-Files, but the shit exists they're gonna it's deliver all... on the the truth is out there they're gonna yeah blow up the truth um, on the screen it focuses on fringe science so that's like teleportation mind control resurrection you know mm. things that we have as scientists on earth tried to do but have never as far as we know proven to be possible but like in this world it all was possible and you know we did achieve it and now there's sort of it's about the ramifications the fallout if you will of these experiments that we've run um, it's got some incredible performances in it. The, uh, um, oh man, what's that guy's name from the Lord of the Rings? He played the king who gets like possessed. Does anyone know that actor's name? Oh yeah, he's great. He's uh, the, he's the, one of the main characters. He does an incredible job. Um, and yeah, I don't uh, know his name, but I literally just watched this this week and this is my just one more thing, but we'll that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's just a really good, it's a procedural, very much like, you know, house or, or something like that, where it's like, it begins with some kind of event, some, you know, strange scientific thing happens and then the show is the two investigators and the scientist guy investigating it. And uh, that's that's it. And then it has sort of an overarching plot that that will continue throughout the seasons and everything. Um, but uh, for the most part, it's, it is a, you know, self-contained episode-to-episode sort of drama. Cool. Mm. Sounds like a pulpy, fun, kind of old-school uh, mystery kind of series that that would be exactly pretty yeah. fun to to watch it, it, it a, long, a lot of that rests on the the two investigators being really great characters i imagine 
Yeah, and they are, and they have really good chemistry, and they do the classic will they won't they thing, and it's like present in episode one. You're like, okay, these guys are gonna. There's gonna be some romantic tension between these two characters, and uh, yeah, along with the incredible acting, I'm I'm also very just surprised by the quality of it. Like for a show from 2008, it doesn't look like a 2008 show. You know, like you go back and you watch a little like, ahead of its time even, there. With the yeah, production even like value. Dexter, you go back and watch like Dexter, which I th- also think is an incredible show, but you mm-hmm. can see its age. Like it wears its age on it with sort of the it does. style it and, does. The, and, and the quality. And you, have you watched like a very Dexter? high quality production? I haven't yet, but I, I'm interested. I want to try. I it watched out. the first episode and I really liked it. And then my wife has watched ahead and said she liked it as well. So I like stuff so, like that too. Yeah, Jim, you had something to say. Yeah, I have a question for you, Devin. I know Kat had recommended a while back Mysterious Universe. Do you also listen to that? Because I feel like based on this subject matter, it talks about things that happen in the world, and they're not crackpot. They give it as much coherence as they can, but that might be something that you would really enjoy if you haven't enjoyed it already. Yeah, no, I haven't checked it out, but uh, certainly I will at some point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool. sounds great. Um, and I will just go ahead and sign off here now because I do have to head out soon and would rather not jump out in the middle of someone's talking. So I've been Devin Schwartz. You can find me at Devin Schwartz one on Twitter and Game Over Man Game Over. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. See you soon, dude. Peace. Later. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I'll just really quickly go then uh, now that we got Devin off to his jobby job. Um I've been watching the very new 4K Lord of the Rings movies um, with my Mm. wife uh, who doesn't really, she's watched The Hobbit and The Hobbit cartoon um, and the cardinal cut of The Hobbit actually is what I showed her, which was true kind of like cut is an edit of The Hobbit movies to make it more like the book, um, which Mm -hmm. I thought was a pretty good cut. Um, And so now she's watching Lord of the Rings kind of with fresh eyes. She hadn't seen it since it came out and didn't really follow it. So it was almost like watching it the first time. So that's been like a lot of fun. And for me, looking at, you know, the color corrections and all that has been great. But the real thing I'm sharing is that, like, I think it was either today or yesterday, they dropped the title of the new Lord of the Rings series and a release date for September 2nd this year. So I'm very much looking forward to that. And it's called Lord of the Rings, uh, The Rings of Power. And um, uh, so we'll see how good it is. I hope it's great, you know? Yeah. Uh, but I've really been re-watching those, cl- those classic three films. are just so freaking good. I just love enjoying them. And it's been neat to see someone else kind of experience them for the first time. Nice. Yeah, I hope that series is great, too. I mean, they dumped three quarters of a billion dollars. So much money, yeah. It's like, what is that even going to look like? If they know? mess that up, someone does have some splaining to do. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Pepe, you're, you're, uh, you have the look of a man who's not sure they're going to be any good. Yes. Am I reading that right? Yes. You're, that's you're skeptical. <laughs> I'm skeptical. Yeah. Yeah. I see why we've had our hearts broken so many times. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to rally forth uh, in reckless abandonment uh, of hope um, because Jim, of the been, heartbreak of the past. Have you continued watching the Wheel of Time series? Is it? Yeah, I watched, I watched the end of the first season. Oh, did you too? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, yep, yep, I, I, I did. I'm on The Witcher now. I'm on episode three. 
Of I'm rewatching the first season, season one, okay. so I can place the second season properly because it was 2019 when it came yeah. out. Yeah, COVID so. disrupted the production. Yeah, yeah. On that one, um, the production value really rocketed up or ratcheted up. I can say, I should say, yeah, in season two. So I'm curious what you think about that. The I, the reason I ask you is because the people that I know who um, don't know the books mm-hmm. seem to think that it's the uh, the Wheel of Time show. Th- seem to think that it's okay to pretty good. And then the people yeah. who do know the books don't like it. Hmm. Yeah, I, I know the books pretty well and I like it, but um, I guess I could see why they would never live up to someone's expectations as well. But I, th- I think coming from like a filmmaking background, like really somehow uh, unavoidably alters my who i who i'm like behind and rallying for because i know how fucking hard it is to do that stuff too so i kind of am in their corner i feel a lot of the time so jim what do you think um i feel i really enjoyed it um were there some problems with it of course uh did they have to deal with problems of course you know when barney harris left quickly they had to figure out how to wrap the ending differently than what they had intended. And I'll just say this, uh, and I'm not saying your friends are this, but there is a certain conceit amongst book readers just in general. Um, and that level of conceit can definitely range where the TV series, no matter what they do, will never be as good as the way they imagine it because it's not like the way they Im- they imagine it. Um, yeah, I, I, I understand that. I, I think... And the people that I've talked to about it, um, when they've talked about it, they've basically talked about how they didn't like the changes that they made to the characters. Um, and I know when, you know, you have to do, you have to like compress things so much when you're making a TV show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I sort of, I had a little bit of that experience too when I started watching Cowboy Bebop, the mm-hmm. live action one. I was like, okay, is this going to be as good as the anime? It, immediately mm-hmm. it wasn't right and i was like yeah. okay well is this going right. to be at least enjoyable like what if it had no relation to that other thing is this um, would this be enjoyable then yeah. and ultimately it wasn't really i didn't even make it through the whole first season me um, neither although i will take good. one thing with me from that and we probably should move on but uh yeah. i yeah. really enjoyed the concept of shower bath shower that was pretty funny to me um i think that was from the live action i don't remember her saying that in the series in the anime i don't either but i thought that was a pretty funny and on character thing for her to say but yeah i didn't make it through it just kind of was like okay and then they canceled it it was like well why would i invest more into it at this point yeah but um, the point of me bringing that up was that i feel like they they changed substantially enough the characters of spike and faye and to yes. a lesser extent, Jet. Jet was close. Was pretty close to how he was, was in close. show. But yeah. yeah, like Spike acts in that show. Unlike I, just it is in a completely different way than Spike in the anime would act. I think uh, most of the time. And Faye is just a completely different character. Um, you have to give him some leeway with her because her character is in the show for not that much and they needed her to be in the whole show, you know, so they needed to make a little bit more 
a character for her. I think I like what they then, did with her more than anyone else, to be honest. Um, but yeah, um, with Jet, it was just not. Yeah, it was just it, it. It just went into this weird uncanny valley, and I've said this to you before. It went, it went into yeah, like an yeah. uncanny valley compared to the anime too much, and then it just felt off-putting for for some reason. I think. But yeah. um, well, we got to wrap this I show mean, up. They, so yeah, we, we got to pocket this conversation. Yeah. Do you have a quick just one more thing? Because I'm. I do. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So I've been let's, reading. Let's um, so I've been reading. He probably can't see this, but anyway, this is William Hope Hodgson. And this edition I have is called The Thing in the Weeds. William Hope Hodgson is sort of the forerunner to what would become weird fiction. So he predates Lovecraft and all of those hmm. guys. Um, and this one focuses on wow. his sort of nautical stories. So he's famous for um, sort of uh, starting the Sargasso Sea stories. You, people might have heard of that before. Other people have written in that. Uh, sort of area he he sort of started this idea of or was one of the ones that started this idea of like making an area where these stories take place and it was called the sargasso sea um yeah so okay he, i have seen other authors do that yeah yeah so he is the sort of forerunner of what would become weird fiction okay and these stories at least are based in the sargasso what, sea what His time other, period does this date to when he was writing uh this is early 1900 so he was actually okay. killed in the first world war um, yeah um his other two sort of famous books, if you're interested in looking at them, one's called House on the Borderlands, which if you're into D&D, that probably rings a bell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he wrote House on the Borderlands. And his other one wow. is called um, The Nightland, which is um, sort of the first, one of the first iterations of the dying Earth genre. It's set in, it's set on Earth after the sun has died. Um, and so those are his sort of mm. famous so Sargasso Sea, House on the Borderlands, and I'm pretty sure it's called The Nightland. I, I might be misremembering. I think it's The Nightland, yeah. Anyway, William Hope Hodge. Definitely going to check that out because uh, that's all new to me, um, both of those books. So I'm curious about the context of what that story means to D&D players, though, really quick, if you could let they me know. They keep on, on the Borderlands. Keep on uh, the yeah, Borderlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a uh, basic Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, wait. It was advanced Dungeons and Dragons. AD and D. Yeah, it was AD and D. And it was so a first level it. romp. Yep. Yeah. Watch yeah. And it. I didn't okay. even know it. It. I didn't even know it paid homage to that. Interesting. So, well, keep talking, Jim. What yeah. do you got for us this week? Um. So I got something very simple because this is something that I've been considering, and I, I, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir, to you guys, and to our audience. But it is. Uh, uh, continue on didactic learning, you know, continue to learn. Um, I, you know, some of us are in places where we want to kind of stay home more because of X amount of reasons. And, um, uh, educating yourself means to me picking something that is your passion or something you always want to learn about or a hobby, or a curiosity, engage that. Um, currently, what I plan on doing is uh, Brandon Sanderson, he writes fantasy. He's got some lectures, because he's also a college professor, on how to write. 
And um, I want to, you know, watch these videos and take notes just like I was in the class. And uh, beyond that, I want to either I'm, I'm still torn between whether I want to do master class or Skillshare. But they will be subjects kind of along those those means how to express yourself creatively, cool. creative writing um comprehension you know things that are are in my wheelhouse but i just you know you you can i don't think you can ever be an expert in your craft you could because be being an you expert should always in be craft a student of whatever me, craft or art you're pursuing. exactly exactly so yeah yeah good point and i have a membership to master class that i should probably use more. nice um nice. i have used it though a lot of the cooking stuff too uh, for me, it was oh fun, nice. But I have a bunch of them booked up, and then Skillshare. I've done a few of those as well, including some for Lynch like writing scripts class. and stuff. It's always nice to like yeah. get somebody's perspective on how they approach writing, and there's you know everyone has their own approach. Yes, so absolutely, um, absolutely, yeah. Everyone has their own ideas about how that works. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for sharing all that, guys. Um, probably time we should. Say goodbye. I think I'll miss you most of all. Dorothy's here letting us know it's time to say goodbye. <laughs> I'm not crying. You're crying. Let's start with James Pepe. Yeah, I've been James Pepe. Um, thanks for watching or listening. I really hope you watch this movie because it's one of my absolute favorites and one of the best movies out there. Um, but yeah, uh, I hope you come back next week and listen or watch again. Yeah, join us. And yes, I'll jump on that bandwagon as well, James. Um, all right. And gentleman, Jim Scott. Yeah, I'm uh, Jim Scott. And uh, uh, thank you for tuning in to us and take care of general listeners and friends. And this has been I'll Look at Yours If You Look at Mine. And now that you've looked at ours, we hope to look at yours soon. If you enjoy the show, be sure to smash that like button, comment, subscribe, ring the bell, give us a five-star review, dot your I's, cross your T's, sign here, initial here, and don't forget to tell your friends. Uh, now that the show is over, I'll leave you with this parting sentiment. We'll meet again. Do nowhere. Anywhere podcasts can be downloaded or viewed. Do know when. See you next week. And remember to watch The Talented Mr. Ripley, 1999, streaming on Amazon, Hulu, Voodoo, and YouTube. Until next time, lookers, keep on looking. Mm-hmm.